Billiken fans, welcome back. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. It's the Midtown Madness podcast. And this episode, we are talking about madness. Uh, before we get going, thank you so much for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button, as well as if we get into any topic you want to sound off on, get yourself to the comment section down below and let your voice be heard. Uh, it's season four of the Midtown Madness podcast. And once again, this show is brought to you by Two Men and a Garden Salsa. Pete, I say this every time. I consume a lot of internet content. I'm always watching stuff. I got TVs everywhere. Uh, but one thing I do is watch a lot of YouTube. And man, I cannot believe the stuff that's sold on those. Uh, I mean, do you remember established titles when you could buy land in Scotland and then you were a uh, uh, whatever I, I, you got like a, I, a, what's the title you get? Anyway, it, it turned out to be a bit of a scam allegedly. Um, uh, and we don't mess around with anything like that. What we're here for is some good old fashioned St. Louis local salsa. That's sweet heat. Uh, it's two men in a garden. Like I said, it's local. It tastes amazing. They've got every flavor, any flavor you could think that you might possibly like. They can have, they will have it, uh, and it'll suit your individual salsa preferences. You can pick up their many products at any local grocery store or online at twomenandagarden.com. And if you're particular about your salsa, that's where you want to go. Follow them on social media at Two Men Salsa on Instagram and Twitter. Madness, Peter. Madness. But first, but first, uh, Peter, we got a lot of feedback the last couple of episodes. And uh, again, I want to thank everyone who listened to that show. These were two uh, well, um, you know, they had a, a lot of people joined in and listened, watched on YouTube. I think for the first time, our YouTube uh, views, like our views, our YouTube views are through the roof right now, like comparatively, like. Usually, uh, audio is by far the the runaway winner. YouTube has been uh, wild lately. Um, but, you know, people offered some feedback. And, and some of that was, was negative towards the harping on the Ford situation. And, you know, I, I've said it like, we go deep into Billiken Athletics. And the bit, when the biggest story is Travis Ford, we're going to talk about it. We're going to give our opinions and we're not going to filter ourselves. Uh, we're going to straight shoot. Uh, but if there's something that you think we need to be covering or you want to hear us talk about, please drop that comment down below uh, or add us on Twitter. That's at uh, Midtown Mad Midtown Pod. Mad Pod. Yeah, sorry. Yep. Uh, I haven't said that in a while, actually. Uh, but at Midtown <laughs> Mad Pod on Twitter. Uh, definitely do that because, uh, I mean, if, if, you know, Pete, I think you're, you're unbelievable with your notes, but I think some things can slip through the cracks. Oh yeah. I mean, there's just, there's no way to cover it all, Zach. And I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of different information coming at us from a lot of different directions and a lot of different interpretations of that information. So yeah, we, we, we don't by design, we don't cover every single thing. And, uh, and maybe some things we go over too fast. Maybe some things we get wrong. Maybe some things we get right. I don't know. It's, uh, we do the best we can. 
That, I'll yes. put it that way. Yes, we do. Um, so we'll, we'll start this episode with a little bit of, you know, I, I guess I, uh, um, the Abu Magasa um, eligibility situation with uh, Rammer. So essentially what happened uh, is we reported. Uh, so I was at work. I was working and I'm listening to the game in my headphone. I had one headphone in and I, I'm telling you word for word. This is, this is what I heard. He said, uh, happy birthday. We want to wish a happy birthday to Abu Magasa, uh, who unfortunately is not eligible this year. And I mean, that's when I kind of was like, whoa, whoa, wait. And I started, the fingers started moving. Right. Uh, and texting, I think I, I texted you guys and then you tweeted it out. Um, but that's what I heard. And that's what he said. And I mean, I don't know how you can interpret. Like to me, that says when you say this year, like that means that that's that there's a lot of finality to that. I think we got when we got a little bit of uh, a follow up question from his co host, uh, Matt. Yeah. Finally, after like a week. Right. Well, he asked, so is the word currently the only thing missing there? And I was like, yeah. And and I didn't respond to it, but I I definitely thought like, well, that's kind of a big thing to miss. You know, like if you say he's currently ineligible versus he's ineligible this season, that means two different things. I don't know what else to say. Like if, if, if if he meant to say currently and didn't say it like that's, I don't know. That's, that's, an omission that changes the definition. And it yeah. is like, I'm not here to have a semantic argument. We reported what was said. And yeah. if the interpretation was something different, then, then that's, that's fine. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no ill will, any direction on any of this. It was just, it was just, uh, we were just kind of like, that's kind of a big thing to just drop in there. Um, <laughs> when you're wishing somebody happy birthday. It was, it was wild. I was like, wait a minute. Did anybody else hear this? Uh, but like, yeah, I think, I just, you know, I think that it could have been, it could have been avoided two ways in my opinion. And that's, uh, if slew would just uh, make an official statement, uh, tell us what's going on. Um, I don't think any, any of us message board morons can really dig any further into what actually happened. Like we have an idea of how the, the compliance situation went uh from you know the last few months but there's no way we can dig into exactly what happened with that situation so the the semantics the details the finer details so if you come out as an athletic department say look we submitted all the paperwork we're we're waiting to hear uh or or i mean if it's been decided already like it has to have been decided, right? Like, there's no way we're still waiting. I I would like to think so, but I I just I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean and even like, if we are waiting, you can throw the NCAA under the bus. Everybody hates these guys, right? Just say we're still waiting. Like, it, it's yeah. it is the only acceptable form of bullying right now is to bully That's, the NCAA. It it is a bipartisan, unifying like issue of our day in a, in a, in a day where there are a few of them. This is one thing that, that brings all Americans together. 
I think, uh, man, I, I don't know. Like, it feels like we're just in this time and place where it's like, well, if we all ignore the rules, uh, the people will stop enforcing it. Like, I don't like every sport is just like, it feels like sports in general too, is just like, look, we'll throw out all the rules. Uh, you know, basketball, I, we, I think the joke has been with the NBA. They never call traveling. Uh, I don't, right. I, I don't think they've ever called a, a line, like a, either a lane violation or an inbound violation. Like I've said, like they, the, it's almost like we as a society have decided to eliminate semantic rules in sports. Like somehow sure. the NFL is holding on to offsides right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. but like, I, I think, yeah, just you, a be more forthcoming with information. That's the initial way to avoid any any miscommunication um and then also just not talk about it too like if you're not a if you're not issuing the official statement on it i i don't think it's worth bringing up which is which is ironic and a little bit contradictory in ways but if you're not making if if an official statement hasn't been made and you're not the one making the official statement don't don't make the statement yeah, I agree. Yeah, silence just isn't isn't helping here. Um, I got to tell you this next news, uh, this this saga of news within the NCAA has been some of the most annoying. Uh, and that's coming from one of the most annoying people on earth. Uh, so I know what I'm talking about here, people. Uh, game recognized game. Game recognized game. That's right. Uh, the NCAA transfer waiver situation, which, by the way, I think we're both in agreement, is patently like the the clutching of pearls over the idea that you you'd have to sit out a year because you've already transferred two times is ridiculous. Like at some point, you have to say, "Look, uh, this isn't Vietnam. There are rules," uh, and you've transferred twice. It's time to pump the brakes and sit out a year. And that's fine. It's fine. If it's every player who does that, where I think the NCAA has really just screwed the pooch on this one is, is this waiver process, Pete. And we've got, uh, basically a a resolution all in about a week. It it seemed like there wasn't going to be a resolution for a couple weeks. And then the NCAA is just like, you know what? We're tired. It's almost Christmas. Let's just wrap this up. They leave a window open, or maybe a door in some cases, in because of their ambiguity, because of making everything a case by case basis. And I know you very, you know, like you just said, you don't really have a whole lot of sympathy for the two and three and four time transfers, because like it used to be that you sat even if you did one transfer, right? Like so, so having a rule like you just can't move around every semester. Is fine, right? And and I think you have, you and I have advocated for a while now. I, and I know you laid it out uh, initially. Was just saying like, look, everybody gets one free transfer, right? No no questions asked. You get one. If your coach leaves, if uh, you know your your direct head coach, any coach major leaves, any major change of leadership or conference, right? Yeah, or division. Like if you're right. uh, if you play for Hartford. Or what's the other school, St. Francis, that are going down from Division One to a lower division, or if you're jumping up a division and you're getting recruited over, um, yeah. If you're if you're a Pac-12, 
volleyball player who's upset that now you're going to have to be flying to New Jersey for for games uh, because your school moved to the Big Ten. You know, you get a transfer. So yeah, conference, division, head coaching changes. You get a free waiver, right? And then we 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 would leave the grad transfer rule in place. Yep. And then we would leave a little bit of room for if there are extraordinary circumstances. I think I think you have to file a lawsuit against right. it, your it, school. It, I think a lawsuit has to be filed against a, a quote unquote bad actor. Like so, you have to take legal action against somebody. To get a waiver, in my opinion. So I, I would have this other category for things like, I'm a, uh, an um, anthropology major, and my school dropped my major, right? Like exactly. I think that's if as long as as long as the NCAA in that highly I, unlikely scenario, <laughs> <laughs> it can be. Hey, so, well, the reason I say that is because a lot of schools are cutting programs right now. Yeah. Like, like this is this. It's a common thing in this era, and if all of a sudden you're a junior. And and your major has been taken out from under you, and you've got to go find a place that has that. If you know, like, hey, I'm not going to be a pro, whatever sport I play. I'm 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 going to be going, as the NCAA says, professional in something <laughs> else. <laughs> you uh, you read my mind. As long as they are still tying sports to academics, I think you have to take that seriously. But I would also have it for circumstances like, like you know, if if you're if you're the kid who's in the dorm room that Cartier Gordon and his friends busted the door down allegedly on, and, and you're concerned for your safety y guess what y that's fine you yes. can leave you can go get a you can get a waiver uh, okay if you're, if i won't say legal action a police report would be sure. necessary <laughs> no, the situation at new mexico state last year like there, yes. there are there are situations where players are uh you know victims of one thing or another um you know or if there's an abuse situation stuff like that yeah. absolutely you get a waiver you move on but like by defining those like four or five very clear rules, the NCAA just says, here it is. Yes. That's the rules. If you meet them, fine. If you don't, sorry. And that's and and, and guess what? You could still go to that school, sit out a year. You'll be fine. You know, yeah. and that and that's that. Because, but because uh, uh, yeah, and like you're talking about the sit out of here, and there's so many people that are like, oh my God, he's got to sit out of here. Like, dude, he very so what not very long ago you had to sit for every transfer no yeah. matter what but like so uh, what like what are you really losing like you're uh, i could yes. tell you this i would have taken another year in college yeah oh 100 <laughs> percent. i would love well, another year in college i i think we all know i would have liked another year but they said six is enough zach <laughs> you're not you're not trying to be a doctor you've got to leave yeah, yeah. um bert kreischer you are not um, it's a long time for a bachelor's degree. Yes, it really is. Uh, that Russian class really hamstrung me. Uh, that's actually true. Uh, <laughs> no, but I think like, what are you losing? You're not, you get to practice, you get to travel, you get all the sweet gear, you can get NIL money, you get to go to school, you get to be wherever close you, why, whatever reason, for whatever reason besides basketball, you decided to transfer. Right. You get all of that. You literally just can't put on a uniform and check into a game. Yeah. And I yeah. think that is completely reasonable. But, but the, the, and the issue is it's not defined. Like, like they just haven't defined it that way. No. Like they haven't outlined and made it really just clear. Like this is, this is why you can transfer it. So by leaving the, the door open, Zach, 
go ahead. No, the problem is they they call it a transfer waiver. Like it it's not a transfer waiver. It's it's a playing waiver. The, right. the, the sure, way sure, it's sure. said every like the, it's an the, or an eligibility waiver, an immediate right, eligibility. Right, immediate eligibility. Like that's what people do now when they want something changed, they call it something that sounds way more serious than it is right so so i i want to by by being ambiguous and opaque and all of those things that the ncaa and slow legal the ncaa right the ncaa has left itself vulnerable to at legal action and we've reached the point where college sports has become a very very big business and there are a lot of angry people in a lot of states with politicians willing to fight back um, against the NCAA. So the, here's the short version of what has happened uh, very recently. The state of West Virginia and six other states who signed on filed a lawsuit alleging that the NCAA's waiver process violated federal antitrust law. On Wednesday the 13th, a federal court judge in West Virginia issued a temporary restraining order against the NCAA, allowing two-time transfers to play. So the hearing for the uh, order was set for December 27th, 14 days after it was issued, creating this question about what those 14 days would look like. So following the order, the NCAA released a statement that said, as a result of today's decision impacting Division I student athletes, the association will not enforce the year in residency requirement for multi-time transfers and will begin notifying member schools. So some schools like UNLV had players suit up and play immediately that Wednesday night. Most others with games that night still held their players out as precautions, just not quite knowing what was next. And sure enough, on Thursday, the NCAA said that student athletes who participate in games during the temporary restraining order will lose a season of eligibility if the ruling is reversed. So you you had a couple of UNLV players very nervous <laughs> that Thursday. Big time puckering. On Friday, the NCAA announced that given the unprecedented decision by the courts earlier this week, the NCAA has reached an agreement with the states to convert the temporary restraining order into a preliminary injunction through the remainder of the 2023-24 NCAA championship season. That cleared the way for two-time transfers, waiting on their rulings to start playing immediately. And this matters to us, Zach, because this directly impacts Brad Azawiro, Slew's two-time transfer who was waiting on a final decision from the NCAA. So the first statement we get from Slew comes through Ford in an interview before Friday's announcement. He said it would be Brad's decision, and this was the assumption. It, it was kind of under the assumption that he would play in the two games during the two-week period with kind of uncertainty after that if he were to play. But, you know, Ford left it open either way because really we didn't know what we were dealing with at this point. Then later on fl- Friday... After that final announcement, SLU posted on social media, based upon communication received Friday night from the NCAA, SLU junior forward Bradley Ezawira will be in uniform Saturday night against Louisiana Tech and is eligible to compete for the Billikens for the remainder of the season. Love it. Fantastic. It's a it's a great resolution on something that went all over the place in the, the few days leading up to it. Yeah. And Brad, who's been waiting on at this point, I think a final decision on his appeal got to play Zach yes. against Louisiana Tech, which wound up being a 75-74 win for SLU on Saturday the 16th. 
And the shame of it is, I well, it's bittersweet because he's not really the headline of this game. And you thought he was. And I had to, to, to give a little peek behind the curtain. I had completely written up a smooth transition into this game with him having this, this wonderful debut performance for SLU. But things changed and he got overshadowed, Zach. <laughs> overshadowed like like it's Independence Day. Like it's like it's the movie Independence Day. <laughs> that kind of shadow, that level of shadow was what we're dealing with right now. And I, I will say that uh, the man, like, uh, like I've said, Terrence Hargrove, you have a future in the WWE if you want to back out of basketball after college. I swear to God, if you don't go look into the WWE, I'm going to be incredibly angry because you have everything they are looking for. Um, you are great with kids. You are athletic, more athletic than anybody I've ever seen. And uh, you have incredible charisma. Uh, the, you are a fan favorite. Um, and I think you cemented your Billiken legacy uh, on Saturday night. Pete, would you agree? Yeah. I think there's there's nothing to be argued with there, Zach. Uh, I also would favor a, a WWE career for him. That would be fantastic. And really, I think we need to start with the end of the game to explain why, because until the end of the game, he had two points. I mean, I think, do we set the stage here or do we just go right to the, the end of the game and then Tarantino it? <laughs> I think I think we go to the end. I think okay. we explain. I think we explain what he did, and then we go back to the beginning. So there's so there is um uh, let's see, there is 38, 30, 20, 30 seconds left. We'll call it 30 seconds left. Just because I want to get to the point of Terrence Hargrove scoring his first basket. There's 30 seconds left, and Zach has completely given up on this game. It's over. I have got my hands up. $2.5 million. I'm ready to be angry. And then they, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Well, I think the best thing he did, right, is is we're down six. And we'll call it 30 seconds, right? Yes. We're down six. Hargrove is about to kick off what is probably the best 28 seconds ever played by a slew player. And maybe by an A-10 player. Maybe by a... Uh, I I can't think of a better. I mean, maybe Lish, uh, but got, like, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. this Lish uh, against Lish single handedly um took a blowout against Xavier one time and almost reversed. That was the, the uh, that was the Brown get Derek Brown game, right? Yeah, and then the one where Stanley Burrell, who had his oh, lunch yeah, yeah. eaten by Lish all game, uh, jumped on the 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 table at the end of the oh, game yeah, and was yeah, like. Yeah you know, raising his jersey and pounding his chest and stuff. And I, I seriously wanted the scoreboard to fall on his head at that point, but <laughs> remembered the scoreboards are in the corner of our arena. But anyway, yes. Um, Slews down six, 70 to 64 Hargrove as people are, you know, standing up to zip up their jackets and stuff, takes the ball down the lane and throws down an emphatic, filthy dunk on top of Daniel Bacho who fouled him. And then he hits the free throw. And I think what's key here is both of those facts, right? He made a play that was sensational. Yes. So even if you're getting up to leave, you go, well, this is why you stay to the end. Stuff still happens. Yes. But then he hits the free throw. And the key there is now it's a one possession game. And 
and we're almost um and why did we have a, a thumbs a up thumbs up and, yeah I that was odd i wonder <laughs> if that's gonna be on the video um i have no idea but uh i will say to in full disclosure i rolled my eyes after the dunk because he flexed and stared down uh bacho yeah and yes. i was like tj 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 oh i mean that was an incredible play but like buddy it, it was it was borderline for me because of what i just said is is that yes it this was is now he makes it, the free throw and they were down three so the now video, you're like there's a lot of time left for a three-point deficit and, and the video if you go back if you're watching either the broadcast video or the jordan neisler uh cut called the the neisler cut um it the in person if you were not there it was one of the most violent dunks I've ever seen, and it does not come across on video at all. No, it pl it played better live because oh, of just the, the the sheer force of it, um, the 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 height that he got up to. Yes, um, that he did it right on a guy. I mean, it was oh. everything about it. It was a violent, dunk. and that guy stunk. He stunk like. He was he was an okay player, but he just I uh, just did not like that guy. He's one of the better rebounders in D one. I'll give him that. Yes, uh, but I, that. I, but again, I was I was uh, a little perturbed by the uh, the uh, yeah the, the flexing. But I know you gotta you gotta deploy that cautiously. But then okay, so so Louisiana Tech inbounds the ball. Medley immediately fouled Sean Newman on the inbounds. Newman hits one of two. Hargrove got the rebound. Drove to the other end and laid it in, and now well, all of a sudden, a, well, let's talk about was was it the it was that layup? I do want to talk about that because you think he was fouled on this? Yes, that I did say that in the notes. Did I text you that? You texted me that. I remember. Yes. Uh he was fouled there, uh, but also uh, I want to talk about Gibson Jimerson on that play because the screen yeah. from Jimerson was outstanding. Uh, the screen and then the the. Uh, the seal, I mean, he sealed off two dudes. Yeah. He get, I mean, that if he doesn't seal like that, that, I don't think Hargrove scores that. It's crazy, too, because Jimerson, you think of as the guy that we're trying to do everything to get open in this situation so he can make the shot. He's had a really good shooting game already at this point. And, and what does he do but clear the way for his boy Hargrove? I mean, like, it's really unselfish. You could You could also say, like, why aren't you the guy with the ball in your hand? I was, I was in, matter. I don't, I have no idea. Like, I want to know, obviously I don't think we're on anybody's good graces over with the basketball program, but I no, want to know who made the decision to, to let Hargrove take over. You know, the, the, the thing before we started recording Zach, that I know you didn't see the game, but in the Hofstra game, Hargrove took over the last minute. Yeah. And 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 it, it was just, it's kind of one of those things where he did he once he made that first play here again, and you look at the clock and you look at the score and you go, like, all right, he's been mostly silent in this game, right? Because for the first time in a while, we've got the five position taken care of, and Hargrove isn't having to slide over there. And now he's having to play against a smaller, more athletic four, and it's a different matchup than he's had all season long. And so I think that made things a little more challenging for him. 
And only after Azawiro fouls out, do things kind of open up for him a little bit more. And, and we saw that on the first dunk. We saw that on this layup here. And all of a sudden now he's feeling it, right? Like mm -hmm. now he's feeling it. Now you're going to let him take the shot too. And I thought that was, look, I thought it was impressive. I don't know if they drew it up that way. I don't know if it's just how it worked out, but somebody saw something, right? And, and, and that wound up with Jimerson setting screens, sealing guys off and letting Hargrove go to work. And that I like the unselfish there, unselfishness there one way or the other. It, even if I think Jimerson's typically the guy I want to be taking the last shot or the second to last shot or the shot that gets us back in it, I do appreciate a guy who believes in his teammates and, and, and has has faith in their ability this is division one basketball they're high level players in their ability to do what they need to do in an end of game situation so i appreciate that for one but like and you talk about uh hargrove taking over a little bit in that in that hofstra game but i i mean that wasn't that wasn't an offensive takeover that was a defensive takeover and a rebounding takeover yeah uh, did, i mean he did, he did it wasn't like I think it wasn't made, like he went to work you know one dunk and one free throw, but it was the two steals that really. Yes. Yeah, I saw the the steals. One. The steals were incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, it was some of the best, the best defensive read I've seen, you know, in, in a long time. Right. Uh, so, so now after this layup, Slew was down seventy-one sixty-nine with seventeen seconds left and called a timeout, and Louisiana Tech inbounds the ball. Dalger took his fifth foul to put Newman on the line again. And again, not a foul. Not a foul. Yeah, that, oh, that's right. That one was a rough call. That was a tough call. And uh, Dalger wasn't the only one who, who disagreed with it. That was an emotional response from everybody on the floor around him too. And the bench and the bench. But what happens at the other end is Newman for the second time in a row makes the first one and misses the second. So now you've got uh Churchich who gets the rebound, got it up to Medley, Got it over to Hargrove at the top of the key, and he hit a three to tie it at 72 with seven seconds left. And what happened after this sack happened so fast that we didn't actually get video of. Yes. Um, should I go ahead? Should I get tell you what I saw? Yeah. Okay, so. Please do. Strap in, folks. Um, now, uh, so basically what I saw is uh, we were completely not prepared to defend. And I mean, you know, it is what it is. I'm not, I'm not going to bemoan it now. Uh, but I thought that I honestly, in real time, I thought that Jimerson saw the guy get the ball and was gone. And he fouled him because he was gone. Like I, I thought he fouled him because he was about to go lay the ball in with no time left on the clock, free and clear. And to, to be honest with you, that's exactly what he was going to do. He was, he was gone. He was past Jimerson. Jimerson didn't find his man. And that's, I mean, again, whatever, but I, in my mind, that's what, if, if, if your guy is streaking up the floor with, you know, whatever, so six seconds se left, seven, se seven yeah, right. seconds, that's a lot uh, more than enough time to go make a layup. Yeah. I think, I think you fought like, I have no problem with that foul at all. Um, you know, take the game out of his hands and put it in your own hands. Whether it, he worst case scenario, he makes two. He was going to go lay the ball up in at the buzzer anyway, because and this and I'm and I'm not saying this because I know people are going to say like that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thing. 
in this specific case, I think he was gone up the court. He was. So, so what section were you sitting in for this game? 108. So were you you were right where they were inbounding the ball? Yeah. Basically? Yeah. Okay. So so you had a different angle on this than I think uh, maybe a lot of other people did. So you may have seen, you know, this a little bit differently than uh, somebody who may have been on the sideline. He, he caught. Yeah, he caught the ball right where about Ford stands, and mm-hmm. uh, Jimerson just turned around as the ball. Like Jimerson was closer to the inbounder. And then he turned and watched the ball go to the uh, the the guard streaking up the floor along the sideline. And, I mean, at that point, they're on a fast break. I mean, either he lays it in. I mean, we saw some alley-oops in that game. Uh, anything can happen. And when it's – if you're giving up an odd man break with six seconds left, I, I say take the foul. Worst-case scenario, it's – they were going to score anyway. Um, so I, Jim, now, if you're up three, well, that's another thing. You follow anyway. If you're or or if you're up one, like I don't know. Like if you're up two, definitely don't foul, right? But if you're tied, like I don't know. I don't. I don't hate it. My point is, is I don't hate it, and I don't like low key. It was an okay foul. Now he meant to do it, right? Yes. Do, do, do I understand oh, but, that? Yes, he he meant to follow him, but okay. he thought the I and and again, I'm not gonna pretend to read Jimerson's mind. So like I think in that moment I probably would have fouled because he was he was past me. I had lost him. Um so- we didn't get that actual foul on the broadcast, but we what we did get was Hargrove's reaction. And Hargrove was not happy about this. Like Hargrove was, it, you know how he's yeah. already he's so amped up because of what he's just done to tie it, right? That three pointer. He was probably and, like, "God damn it, Churchich!" And then he's like, "Oh no, that's Jimerson." It was. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was the thing now where he's like he's looking up into the Raptors and he's furious. Like I could just you could see it on his face. Like not well, I shouldn't say furious, but like the you gotta be kidding me. Seething kind of with frustration. Like, you gotta be, got be kidding me. Like like yeah. kind of half smiling, half angry, couldn't believe it. You know, like just just I guess it was clear to me that Hargrove did not want that to happen. Even if you say he had a clear path, you know what Hargrove said after the game is I can't say exactly what he said but I did save his behind. So I, I don't know if everybody. Well, watch floor... your mouth, Hargrove. I know. I there know. are children I'll... present. How How is Peter supposed to tell his two kids about using the word behind? <laughs> Hargrove, Hargrove worked a little blue in the post game on this one. But no, I, I think um, depending on where you were on the floor, your read on whether that was an easy two at the other end may have varied. I and it might the bottom line. And it might not have been an easy two, but I don't love the idea of an odd man break. Right. I don't like a three on two. So with with as you said, six well, seven seconds yeah, when they you're, inbound you're it. Literally not but now get you've it. got you're, six seconds to to move it, you know, yeah, not even seventy uh, feet. Yeah, it's so again, like that foul is is a it's it's a it's a bargain with the devil. It's a deal sure. with the devil, I think. Um, to, to give yourself a chance to go and take, take things into your own hand. Right. Right. It's not analytically it's bullshit. 
analytically, it's the dumbest shit you can do. Yeah. But, um, I mean, whatever. So this time, Zach, with five seconds left, Newman, who has gone one for two on his previous trips, hits both of them. Slew inbounds the ball to Hargrove directly. Which and... I, what? Like, I, I, I and, no, I want to get your take on this because, like, was, I, I, I want to know if fans out there, like, Hargrove was doing things, but I wasn't, like, I, I don't think I was comprehending that he had, he was taking over the game. So I, you know, it's funny because on the last one, he, so the ball gets inbounded to him. And the first thing I think of is what the uh, hell? Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I didn't want him bringing it up the court necessarily. Like, like I didn't think, I, I, I guess I didn't like, I, I wasn't seeing a play, right? Because we, we inbounded it pretty quickly. Wait, was I, there a path? Was there a path to winning the game at that point? I don't know. It's, it's what, uh, it's what, uh, I, yeah, I'd have to go like back to that buzzword. The path right. is there a path? But so, so what like. I thought was, well, like I was looking at the clock and I was looking at him taking up the ball and they were, you know, not swarming him, but trying to impede him enough to where he, he wasn't going to get a clean lane to the basket in time. And so I just go, well, you've got the hot hand. You might as well shoot a three. You know, I thought like, just let it rip, go for the win. So when he shot the three and he got it off with plenty of time, right? Like he was yeah. a couple feet behind the perimeter line, but uh, he st there was about a second left on the clock when it left his fingers, which is perfect timing because there's no time on the clock when it goes through the net. And uh, he, but it wasn't going to be enough time for him to get to the rim, I guess no. is my bottom line. So it I was, was like, and, and, and perfect timing. You say perfect timing. And like when you're watching a buzzer beater, that was a perfect buzzer beater. Like if you're, if, if you think mm. about it in your head, like, like there are buzzer beaters where you just get it off. Like it, it barely leaves your hand and then the red light hits. And then there are right. ones where it hits right in the middle. It goes off right at the, at the apex of the shot. And, but then there are ones where it goes off right after it goes through. This one was like buzzer net game, right? No, Yeah. But it and was, they it was beautiful. Like the, it was poetic. The timing of it. I thought they, they reviewed it because they had to. Yes. But there was no doubt in my mind that that was, that was clean. The other thing that was clean is like there, there wasn't a foul. There wasn't a travel. There wasn't anything weird. I don't know. A couple of people wanted to, a couple of people wanted to call a push off, but I, I didn't <laughs> you know, think I, I almost I didn't... made that. I almost made that joke on Twitter. Right. Because like Jordan has the famous, yeah. Uh, push off before a game Elo, winner. Wasn't it Elo? It was um, Craig Elo. He pushed off. Was it? I want to say it was, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, shoot. Starts with Stockton? B. No. Anyway, um, he pushed off so, like Jordan pushed off so hard. At, Byron Russell. Never, Byron yeah, Russell. sorry. Yeah, I was I was like Brian Byron. I, I, was, I was close to it, but like he pushed off so hard. Like to, at any other yeah. point in the game, that was like such a nasty push off. Hargrove, Hargrove gave him a little bit of an arm, a little bit of. But an it arm, didn't but seem. It heavy. wasn't enough. It wasn't. It didn't enough. seem yeah. heavy at all. And I and I went back and watched that in like super slow motion too because I was like I saw it right I saw the arm he extended the arm a little bit he definitely gave it to and him and they owed us one 
after not calling it on the layup or which one are you the uh, you well mean? the layup but also oh dog well, the then, one then dog I guess going out on the, well the goaltend too oh okay yeah, I yeah. mean that's that's a different game at that goaltend too. I think that goaltend, that non-goaltend call was a complete turning point too, for for uh, Louisiana Tech. Yeah, which yeah, I I that... can't believe they didn't they like we've seen so many times where they call it and then we've talked about it on the show. Yeah, about the goaltend review and how dumb it right. is. And then Just, we if it's close, on, call it. You know what? They did it because they hurt us and they were pissed <laughs> off at us for giving them trouble about it. Yeah. Mark it. Update yep. the log, but no, I, 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 I dude, that uh, he, so he push, he rises, he fires the buzzer goes just before the ball goes through the cylinder. And I mean, I, here's the thing. This, this is, this is essentially how it went down. I'm watching it. This is how I start the play standing there. Mm-hmm. And the only reaction so, so Zach I have, is Zach is back with his hands on his head. The only reaction I had was like jaw drop. Like, like I didn't like go yeah. crazy. I just couldn't like that doesn't happen to the Billikens. Right. That When was the like I uh, we don't win games on buzzer beaters. We we've tied a lot of games, but I don't yeah. think we've ever really won them on buzzer beaters. Not three well, pointers anyway. You had a what, Drea uh, is the most famous. I what's more Iowa. famous now? Are we? Uh, well, is this? I, I this think has the bigger be. the bigger one was the Louisville game a couple yes. years before that. But that was know. a was that a that wasn't a buzzer beater though. That was that was a last. He laid it up and in, and then um, the Louisville guy uh, had about a three quarter court heave. I listened okay. to that. I listened to that. Do you remember when the arena was being built? And they put Rammer Rammer's audio up on the oh, website. Yeah, because er, Earl's audio during that clip is yeah, amazing. The the <laughs> the the gasping for yeah, yeah, for yeah anything. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, amazing. But like I listened to that so many times. Yeah. I'm shocked that I can't word for word recreate that. Um you know, it's 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 fun now that you're mentioning it, I cannot really think of Many there was buzzer beaters since buzz, then. There was because both was of those it, happened while I was at SLU, like while I was a manager there, well, right? So, so like I'm on the bench for those. To win, I can't think of a, a to win. So Drea, uh, there was wasn't there a uh, an alley oop buzzer beater uh, at Dayton? At Dayton or at Xavier? Or it was uh, it was an inbound play. He threw it from like the little lie, the coaching box. Uh-huh. I feel like somebody threw it and somebody caught it and tipped it in on like a back. Was it, it might've been like Lish to Liddell. I'm going to have to go back and look, man. I, I just can't, I can't think of any others. I, I like that doesn't happen to us though. I always thought it was my own bias because those, the, I, there were those notable ones from when I was there. Yeah. Right? And I thought, well, of course I remember when I was there. I mean, but, it, with um, Majerus, yeah, I like we didn't really have any games where, I mean, the, there was to tie, of course, the the famous Mitchell shot, the bank shot. Right. Um. Dude, I, 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 and, and I mean, we always would do, like. I don't know, but, but I think what makes this in the one comments even, comment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tell us, but I think what's even bigger here, Zach, is Hargrove had two points before this eleven points in twenty eight seconds. A lot of people made the the Tracy McGrady comparison. Here's yes, another thing that happened that. when I was in college. When he had 13 oh, that's going points. on the thumbnail. That's going on the thumbnail. 
13 points in 33 seconds. So Hargrove has been getting that comp a lot, you know? I mean, I guess what 11 and 28 yeah, might I'm, be even I'm more trying efficient. To decide. Uh, that's 0.39. Okay. I don't know if I'm doing this, if this makes sense at all. And then how many points for McGrady? 13 and 33 seconds. 0.39. I think <laughs> so basically the same. So 11 divided by 28. Okay. So hard. Okay. So McGrady is 0.3939 repeating. Uh, Hargrove is 0.392857. So that means McGrady has slightly, yes. slightly more more points per second. Yes. Yeah, barely. But it's essentially the same thing, right? Uh, that's 30, the most. 30... That's the most solid math I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and on the fly, no less. <laughs> that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, regardless, I think that's what's going to make this one even more special, right? Is yeah. is the fact that he not only made that buzzer beater to win it down two, made a three to win it, uh, which is the best kind of buzzer beater. Um, but to, to have that on the tail end of, of an 11 point run in 28 seconds, was just so, so impressive. And I think that's, that's going to go down as just a legendary performance in Billiken history. But Zach, let's, let's Tarantino this thing, like yes. you said, and go back to the beginning to what my original first note was coming out of that whole explanation about what was going on with the waivers in the NCAA. Yeah. Brad Azawiro had a really good game here. He he made his presence felt quickly. He went to the bench absolutely exhausted at the second media timeout with six points, three rebounds, and an assist in seven minutes. And it was like, all right, like, welcome. Here's yes. what we've been missing the whole time. Like, he it didn't put up big numbers at LSU or Georgetown. A lot of he took he took thirty pounds off his frame from when he got here. A lot of us were not quite sure what we had in him. It it, it reminded me his first uh, his first few possessions felt like, uh, and I've brought this this reference up before. It felt like in Glory Road when uh, uh, the coach tells Big Daddy David Latin to put his elbow in the rim on his first dunk against I guess it's uh, against Kentucky in the final. That's what it felt like when Ezawero went in and just. Uh, he did the uh the shack and one logo. Yes. Uh, dunk. Yes, like, he did. It was, it, uh, uh, it was again violent. Yeah, we had a few of those in this game. That was a hard, heavy dunk, and like I, I wanted to project so much into that. I was like, that is a guy who has been sitting on the bench for these first yeah eleven games or whatever, so frustrated, waiting his turn, and now he's got his turn, and he just took it out on the rim right there, and I love it. And that was that was so satisfying to watch. We haven't we haven't had uh, like I was I'm trying to think we haven't had that many like vicious dunkers. No, um, we we probably had more. Hassan dunks. was probably the last one. Yeah, I mean, to... for, for, yeah, French absolutely um, would, would have been the I probably in the last twenty years the the the, the best of 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 all of them. I mean, Liddell had just... a few. Uh, had a few kind of he had the put back against George Washington. Uh Danny Brown had the poster against us uh St. Joe's. But as far as big men go, yeah, it, like just a guy who you think like would be the kind of guy who could break a backboard. Yes. Um, also, I'll we'll throw in Sloan against Arizona. Channing over Channing Fry. Yeah, just but that was just that was to, more just to just appease him. That was a feat of athleticism. And 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 th these are the ones that are just like, oh, the guy's just he could actually break the equipment. 
And uh, I think Ezawiro showed Party us that he's probably Gordon. the first since French. Speaking of breaking uh, equipment. Gordon definitely had that ability for sure. But yeah, no, we haven't had a lot of guys to to do that. Um, but it's, man, was that was that fun to see? That was, that was, uh, I, I was, at this point, I'm like, oh shit, we, we might have something here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it, it, this, this, the start of this game was very, very nice. Yeah. That was a nice feeling. Uh, Medley, speaking of good starts, had a career high 10 points in the first half before going out with an injury. Luckily, you know, you were thinking, oh God, here we go again. So another one. Luckily, he came back in a soft knee brace and played the rest of the game. I'm going to uh, take credit that I knew he was fine. So a lot of people said it's his leg. And like, you know, people on, on social media and, and freaking out, freaking out. It looked like his ankle to me initially, but like I've been wrong on almost all of these so far. Uh, you know, if it's cramps, I'm like, no, that's a knee. I'm always off. But but yeah, uh, he came back in a soft knee brace and ended up with seven assists. Why were you so certain that uh, that you knew what happened here? I I just like I don't know why, but I always feel like when people are in pain, like serious pain like that, if it's not a break, it just feels like a like a it just doesn't feel serious. Like like I always feel like people are when they when they tear an ACL, they are so they know it, and their yes. their reaction is more emotional rather yeah. than than a reaction to pain and i just the way he was in pain and the way they were touching it and it and the way he got up and kind of walked it off i was like i don't i don't think so i i just don't think yeah. he i i think we escaped here it was kind of weird. He he was it was a rebound, and he had two bigger players from Louisiana Tech basically right behind him, and they kind of sandwiched him a little bit, and there was definitely some contact with all the legs there, but that that's what made me feel like okay, I don't think that's his knee, because it, it well for one it looked like one guy was kind of stepping on his foot almost uh, from the from the the replay angle. But I was like, he just kind of got sandwiched between two bigger guys. He took a knock here, but I don't think that's a, yeah. a pop. I, by the know? way, speaking of rebounding and uh, and uh, medley, man, he's, uh, yeah. he's, he's, he's a, a good very good rebounder. And I do want to shout out our bigs because I think on many occasions, I do think that uh, Ezawiro, Hargrove, and even Bruce got good position. And boxed out and and gave Medley a chance to slide in and get the ball, a la the Majerus years when we would see, you know, uh, save for Jordan or Jed who would just sky above everybody, we'd see Mitchell or McCall, you know, grab the ball off the off a of bounce. Yeah, yeah, right. Because everybody had such good position, yes. team rebounding. Yeah, um, yeah, and he's good at it. He's got a knack for it, and the ball's in his hands, and off we go. Love it. Is is um, is Medley the next good one? <laughs> medley just starts getting got, double doubles in rebounds and assists if he does it at his size then that's amazing he's he's a spectacular athlete if he does that with you know four or five inches uh behind goodwin so slew is leading 37 27 at halftime and stop us if you've heard this one before but that lead did not hold zach uh what, did, what led did you think about this though so SLU led by eight or nine for most of the first first of those uh, 10 minutes of the second half. And then Louisiana 
tech kind of chipped away after that. They so pressed the first, a lot. The first tie came at 654, and um, it was basically a one-possession game until they went up five with a minute 24 left. And then it was just kind of crap for the next 48 seconds. They hit a free throw to go up six with 36 seconds left, and then that's, you know, the rest is history. We covered the rest. But what did I think of that? I thought, here we go again. You know, I mean, like I, I joked in a text message with, with you and a couple other guys, I was like, well, we're up 10. So, you know, lock it in. We won. This is over. No, you did do that. Didn't you? You son of a bitch. Yeah. Because you know, jinxes aren't real, but, uh, I, 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 I texted that knowing, like, I was like, we're up at halftime guys. Like this is, we know this one, we know this routine. We've seen them. We've seen them play this one every night. So, um, when Louisiana Tech went up six, I gotta say I was I was pretty pretty certain that the, well actually when they went up five with one twenty four left I, I that's when I thought you know if I'm if I'm in the arena I'm probably making sure I've got my keys and phone and everything in my pocket I'm putting my jacket in my lap I don't know if I'm zipping it up quite yet but uh, well it's raining outside yeah you, you so at least so, putting your hood up. So, so yeah, I, I, I do have to admit that I, I thought this was over. I mean, obviously when that lead is not, you know, that five point lead at 124, when that's up to six, almost a full minute later. Yeah. You, you're just not feeling great. So would I have left early? No, no, it was, it was too close for that. But I, I was pretty certain at this point, given the arc of so many games in the past few years, I just, I thought, well, here we go again. And, and what a shame to waste uh, a great debut performance for a new big man. Yeah, I uh, I gave up. Like I said, I think I said this in in the uh, in the um, the precursor is that like I gave up on this game at the five point deficit when we turned the ball over. I mean, I don't I I don't know if anybody in the arena thought that it was possible. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was a statistical. Like what is it? What is who? Somebody is it Tristan Freeman that puts out analytical final? Oh, is it him? Yeah, I think you're. I think it is him. Yeah, I thought or this Rocco game was Miller? analytically final. Yeah. Um, with with that after that steal, uh, down five, it, it just felt, and it, it, probably not analytically so because I'm about to tell you how it felt. Uh, but it, it felt like it was just it had trended the bat that that way, and it was just gonna keep rolling that way and boy did it not do that no we had we had someone willing to to change the narrative uh and he had some help from his teammates zach gibson jimerson 23 points on eight of three eight of 15 shooting unbelievable night four of seven from three yep three of four from the free throw line he's now ninth all time in points after passing both harry rogers and dwayne evans in this game and he also moved up to second and three pointers passing kevin lish who was uh in attendance yeah it was good to see him at halftime popped by and said hi he was uh he was hanging out with tony breitbach because tony only hangs out with the the best of people yes um, yeah and vice versa yes uh so as i just popped in and uh you know said what's up and, and thanked him again for coming on the show and uh, it was good to see him yeah nice um as we said as we were finished with 17 and 5 in his debut he did foul out uh, but he played 18 minutes, and uh, it, I, I think that was a really, really nice debut, and and 
certainly outperformed my expectations for somebody making his season debut. You know, there were a third of the way into the year. There were many times where they, it was clear that they wanted to come down the court and immediately have Ezawiro go at somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, it made us tough to scout too, right? Cause Louisiana tech is such a good defensive team. And you know, we just, this gave us a completely different look to what yeah. we were doing. So slew was 56% from three sack on 18 attempts. And all I can say is shoot more. Yes. Uh, but, what is you know. what does that look like to you? Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting to me. My dumb dumb brain doesn't get it. Like I understand that, like if you're a good shooting team, you shoot more. But is it you know when you shoot more, you're going to miss a little bit more. You're not going to necessarily stay at that fifty six percent. Is the, where's the trade off there? Does am I making? Am I is my question make sense? Yeah, I mean, you're going to regress to the mean over time, but a game is inherently a small sample size, and clearly they were getting good looks. They had players feeling good in this game. They had guys shooting well. Um, yeah. I know I, it's easier said than done, especially against what I just called a very good defensive team. So that's part of it, right, is like they, they shore up the perimeter. But when we got looks at three, we were hitting them. So. Yeah. Yeah, but it's in, it's also interesting because we kind of shot ourselves out of the league in a, in some ways because we did and I think it was brought up on the board um that like uh that the the uh, the comeback for for Luis I keep wanting to call them Fresno State cuz their jerseys were Fresno State like the Bulldogs too. yes um R.I.P. Jerry Tarkanian. Um, like, I don't... Like, do you think that Louisiana Tech got back in this game, or did we give it away? Because we were getting good looks. They just weren't falling. Uh, and, I mean, obviously the turnovers, but it wasn't like it was a stagnant offense. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. We definitely battled some foul trouble i think that that you know a lot of the things that were working for us for a lot of the game when you have to pull guys out a little um, bit of the medley stuff too yeah it changes that up you've got yeah that's right medley um missing a little bit of time and and you know i may be coming back a little more tentative after that we definitely i don't we seem to kind of get away from some of the sets that were working more effectively in the first half and we were running half, a lot is, of screens which is one of those things that we've always complained about when we lose these leads, right? Is like kind of getting away from what works. I know some of that is adjustments on the part of Louisiana Tech, but some of it might also be a little overthinking on our part or getting away from uh, what's gotten us there to that point. So I don't know exactly. I think it's there's a number of factors. It's too too hard to say it's any one individual thing. But you know, Louisiana Tech is it's a good defensive team. They're a pretty good rebounding team. They were good on the offensive glass in this they game. Took they took care of the ball. That that yeah. So or did only, they? they? Well, they did. They did. I mean, so they got. I was just saying they got twelve offensive rebounds. Two thirds of those were in the first half. So we did get better. But that's right. That's the most fascinating stat I think in this game. Zero turnovers for Louisiana Tech. Slew had ten, which I would take most yes. nights. Um, that's a good. That's a good performance, but. 
zero is not something you see very often. We we talked about this a lot last year is why isn't SLU forcing turnovers? Because we were one of the worst teams in the country at it last year. Much better this year, still not like great, but um zero is fascinating. I mean, like that's that's hard to do, especially like even in the last minute, there were like tipped balls that were like 50-50 calls that uh that went their way. Like it it's a it's a fine line, you know, sometimes. Uh turnovers happen and they're not necessarily your fault uh I, I don't know how you end up with zero that's that's wild what did you think of the way the billikens uh handled or didn't handle the louisiana tech pressure because we talked about the 10 turnovers and again i i, I harp on it a lot but like i want to see us we are shorthanded we are behind an eight ball this season i want to see us go for the kill shot um yeah and, and that includes attacking a press and not pulling it pulling the ball out or holding it at the yes. you know uh, once you get across the time and i thought there were so many opportunities where if we had one more guy following the ball up the court you had an odd man rush or whatever you want to call it a fast break uh against that press and it just it, it, we ran out of options it felt like yeah i thought yeah i agree we were maybe a little too tentative with it um i think their press was a lot more effective in in two things uh eating clock and then then forcing us into rushed sets at the other end and and maybe not getting the looks that we wanted as opposed to actually forcing turnovers so it, it wasn't the kind of press that people think of the the um the havoc or the 40 minutes of hell or or whatever the like the kind of just full court all on we're going to make you cough it up and, and and make this get out of hand kind of thing. It was more just like, we just crossed the timeline. There's 21 seconds left on the shot clock. There's still a little pressure our way. Now we're finally going to start running something and we're a little discombobulated. You know, yeah. it was that it was, I think that was the bigger issue here. And so we weren't necessarily getting all the looks that we wanted. And, um, and I think that was a, a bigger problem because again, 10 is not a bad turnover number and i think a couple of those were on shot clock violations too um if i'm not mistaken or at least we were at least close to a few of those um but one of the things you had me write down is was about our inbounds plays yes and i think you called one of them sneaky and i think you said another one was a jim cruise play well i think both it's the same one so they did it twice they tried it oh, twice okay. it, right. hap it happened once but i, I want to real quick finish up with the 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 sets that we're not getting into but i want to tie it in to the end of the game because you saw the quick strike that Hargrove, you know, kind of put in there at the end. And I wonder if there's an opportunity for Travis to, and coaching staff to take what they learned from that last 30 seconds and what they have in Hargrove. And maybe I, I just want to see them come up with some quick strike stuff that you can, quickly kind of try to run if you get over the timeline and you still want to run a little bit in the half court but find a quick strike you know um you know that that screen and seal um something like that right yeah no yeah no i, I don't have anything to add to that other than i agree i wouldn't mind seeing that look for sure yeah i i hope they i really do hope they do uh but the, i thought it was uh i was sitting with uh uh another guy i don't want to say the name here um i was sitting with one of the, uh, my uh 
fellow 108er season ticket holder. And uh, I, I looked at him, I go, uh, so what happened is, is Jimerson triggers the ball from the left side of the, from the left of the basket. Uh, he's the baskets to his right. He triggers it to Hargrove, basically throws it over the top. A la Jim Cruz. And then Hargrove, uh, I, I did somebody set a screen there or did, did Jimerson just sneak away? I, I don't, re- I honestly don't remember. either Jimerson sneaks away or a screen is set because it goes, it went Hargrove one, one player, two players. And then Jimerson is in the corner. He's gone from where he was at on the baseline to the corner on the other side of the basket. And he's wide open for three from the corner. Bang, knocked it down. So throwing it over the top reminded me of the Jim Cruz inbound play. So I called it the fake JC. Mm. Uh, Cause I, I mean, and they, and they did it once and it worked and yeah. it, I'll be damned if it almost worked two times in a row. I think yeah. it was in and out or maybe he didn't get a shot off. I don't remember, but I, I love it. And, and maybe you yeah. run that, maybe you run that again and, and you, uh, and uh, you can have, jimerson pump fake and drive you know now now teams are looking for that play mix it up yeah maybe toss it it right back i like it i don't know when it was our only play during the jim cruz era uh i we you know we weren't so high on it then but no uh, throwing throwing some different looks at people off of inbounds is is fine would also love to see hargrove cut off that first pass make a flash to the to the paint uh, I'm just talking ball, Pete. Just, just really talking shop, <laughs> drawing up plays on the, on the show. You can, you need a whiteboard behind you next. I time. know, a green screen, like I'm, like I'm reading yeah. the weather. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd probably be as accurate too. Um, yeah, dude. Like, I there was so much to like in that first half. So much. I, I mean, Jimerson, Jimerson found another way to get his shot uh get his own to you know what he didn't he like did he fade it away by the way the fade away three from uh from uh thames was ridiculous thames yeah that was that was a nice one <laughs> there was so to... much fun dude that yeah. first half was so fun like it they was, gotta and... figure this out that if that if that game if we win that game going away i am back on the wagon mm-hmm. i am back on i am all in but like the the it's the same thing and i am skeptical still pete well the thing is in the second half we didn't run away with it obviously but we also didn't let them back in for a while like it took until after maybe the 10 minute mark of the second half because we were up eight or nine give or take most of that period of time too i think our our biggest lead in the game was 13 so it never got to a insurmountable margin obviously uh but it it wasn't until that kind of fourth quarter that we started to really cough up the lead you know it was kind of between 10 and 7 minutes where things got nervy there um where where we were you know turned it over a couple times rushed shots and and they were converting at the other end that that's where it became an issue uh this isn't you know louisiana tech was not necessarily a great offensive team they're not the kind of team that's going to go on a 20 point run or anything like that, but they sort of systematically chipped away, you know, with their, with their good defense and discipline. I think, you know, it, it just, it, it, 
when it started to happen, it sort of felt inevitable, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like I want, you're right. Yeah. I wanted to run away with this game. We've got a new player. Uh, one of the things we haven't mentioned back yet, we got Larry Hughes back. Like maybe we're getting healthy again. Sincere Parker, I heard was out of his boot. Um, like we're, we're getting like, you're starting to see the pieces call, fall into place. And then we, we slide right back into the same old pattern and had to be bailed out by a hero, a heroic performance down the stretch. Um, I want to talk about that stretch because before we hit record, I talked to you about my feelings uh, during the comeback. Mm -hmm. And I likened it to the antithesis of the SIUE game. Because the SIUE game felt like Oh, there's no way we lose this game. Like, of like, no way. Like, we're gonna finish we're this off. 18. We're gonna win. Yeah, we're gonna win. Like, we're gonna find a way here. Like, there's no way SIUE is gonna beat us. In this one, I mean, no matter what happened between 30 seconds and the clock and that ball going through the hoop, if you would have looked at me, Denny, I go, "There's, there's no, there's no way we can win this." I mean, it's a, it's a great, it's a great story. It's a great, it's a valiant effort, but there's, there's no way it's not, not possible. It's not possible. Yeah. I don't think I ever felt quite like it's not going to happen. I mean, I, I told you like at the minute and a half or whatever, minute 20 something, 24, when they went up five, that's when I would have been like, there it is, you know, but it, it more felt like, well, here it is again. And are, are we going to hang on? Or are we going to come back? Or did we just cough up another one completely, right? Not just a lead, but a game. It's it was more for me. It was more disappointing in like watching that same pattern play out over again. But I did. I wasn't completely certain of the outcome um, until you know the last thirty six to you know one twenty four, basically where I was. I was pretty certain they were going to win it. Um, it I, you're right. God, now you're putting me back in the arena for that SIUE game where sorry, you dude. You really did. We didn't believe that we were going to lose, right? Like yeah. it was frustrating. It was ugly, but like just get the game over with, right? Like it was like you just knew we were going to win until we didn't. And that, and it was just unbelievable. But in this one, it was absolutely believable just because we've seen the same pattern. And this was, well, no, I meant like better team, uh, but I was thinking like, I, I was like, there's, there, there's no way we're going to win. There, there's no way we're going to make the comeback. Yeah, well, well, I mean, like I, 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 was I may like, have had that thought, but it was such a short period of time. Yeah, it, it you know, just different. I just was kind of like enjoying the ride. I didn't even occur to me that we would come back and win. Right. I, I, I mean, even like Hargrove takes Hargrove. The only two shots I was convinced were going in were the layup and the dunk. Yeah. Like he took that three. I go, okay, that's gonna rim out, and we're gonna. And that first one, that that three, like you see it so often in games, late in games where they hit a three. Mm -hmm. It's just like you wonder why they why that didn't happen earlier. Like why? Yeah. Like, like wow, it, that shot looked great. Why? It, it where seemed, was that all night? It seems yeah. so high percentage, right? Which is preposterous to say, but like it just seems like they make it look so effortless to hit that shot, yeah. and then you're right. and then but then they miss the the last shot. Um, so it's, it was very, uh, people were talking about this, man. Like I walked into the gym today in the locker room. First thing I heard, I didn't even walk around the corner 
And I hear, man, all oh, the Billiken game last night was wild. Yeah, it, it got way more play on Twitter than than I'm used to. Obviously, I mean, like how because we haven't won many games like this, as you and I just established. Uh, but it was well, a lot of the national names were kind of paying attention here. Like, hey, this this was a great game. And even before it ended, they were like, get over to, you know, get over to this game on ESPN Plus. Check this out. Uh, we've got a close one down the stretch. And uh, I hope a lot of people did because it paid off. I think he did. Was was he the number ten play on Sports Center? Did I hear that right? Yeah, which is an absolute. Just, that's horrible. I, it, the shame of it is his dunk could have been a top ten play. Yes. Uh, his his game winning three obviously was a top uh, ten play, but just the fact that he did it all, it's almost a shame. The top ten really doesn't exist for what happened what he did in this game yeah um the segment they did on mcgrady 20 years ago is is i think a lot more applicable uh, and i think they i i was i was surprised that we didn't get one of those um i was also shocked that we didn't get uh there was no reddit post game thread for this one um and, and definitely like it wasn't shared on reddit either uh which mm. I, again i thought was crazy uh because like that's the kind of thing that college basketball junkies are all over by the way we have uh we have uh some land on the imperial map again oh we do yes <laughs> uh nice. it is a very small sliver but i believe it encompasses uh i want to say i think that's east uh east virginia and a small county in tennessee so this this is a very obscure reference that yes. most of our listeners probably it's a oh they've got to know for right there, there's a there's a twitter person who does college imperial he does maps by county in the united states with college logos overlaid that will show you um, who's beaten who, kind of, and they call it the imperialism map. He also done does one for the unbeaten's, so yes. it starts with three hundred and sixty three, and it shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and winless, right? And winless. So anyway, yeah, that that's what that is. But Zach, I mean, I think just to put a button on this game, uh, put a TJ ribbon Hargrove, on it, wrap it up, give it to your loved one for Christmas. Yes, uh, yeah. this one, this one, like this, truly was a game to soothe this was like chicken soup for the soul for the billiken fans soul um this, yeah, it sure I, was. <laughs> and i say that truly uh without any sort of sarcasm or any sort like or ir irony this was this was cathartic in so many ways uh yeah. I, but i again i would have preferred a 20 point beat down that would have been a little more cathartic in my opinion but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I now and then I'm thinking of it, I don't know if chicken soup is the right metaphor. I think you had a like a five course meal I did. where the first few courses the first two courses were really good. The third course was chicken strips and fries that were horrible. Well, the third course was okay. Oh. The the main course was really disappointing. Yeah. But the dessert was incredible. Oh, the was dessert the best, was the best dessert we It, it was ever like had. a souffle. Um <laughs> It, it, uh, we also have a couple counties in the state of Michigan. As okay. Well, so. All right. Yeah. 
I'm clearly paying attention to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, unbelievable game, unbelievable. Perf- well, I was, it was it was unbelievable game in the fact that like I still don't believe what I watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just it was truly a legendary performance from Terrence Hargrove Jr. Uh, cemented his legacy uh, as a Billiken uh, in this one, and I, I think it's it's a shot that will be remembered until the NCAA dissolves and we don't have college basketball to watch anymore. Yeah, I think so too. Among Billiken fans, at least. Right. Are we going to finally do this Biggs thing? It's your call. It's your call, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking uh, ahead. What did we, what did we say we were going to do next week? Or what did we say we were going to do last week? We Is do this want it? to talk. We do want to talk some NIL. We've pushed this one off for a few weeks. Um, but but we, you know, it's your call. We've got let's, some we've we've got one game weeks um, you know, this week, next week. So let's let's go next week because I, I am I am wiped out. Um, okay. All right, we'll we'll get to it. We promise. We're gonna yes. talk about how we develop bigs. Um, and uh, why don't you take us around the A ten this week? Sure. Um around the A ten Tuesday, the Oh my God! There were no games this week. It was a really weird week. Yes, um, very weird. Tuesday the twelfth, George Washington eighty-eight, David Bowie State seventy-three. Uh, Saturday the sixteenth, number twenty-four, uh, Miami of Florida uh, eighty-four, LaSalle seventy-seven, VCU eighty-seven, Temple seventy-eight. The Blue Hens of Delaware sixty-seven, Rhode Island fifty-six. The South Florida Bulls, 77. Loyola, 64. St. John's Red Storm, 77. Fordham, 55. Davidson, 98. Some school in Virginia, 63. Uh, Seriously, I don't know who Lynchburg is. Uh, Number 15, Florida Atlantic, 64. Bonaventure, 54. George Mason, 62. Loyola, Maryland, 54. UMass 87, West Virginia 77. UMass fans were getting kind of uh getting high and mighty on this one. West Virginia's a mess this year, obviously, in the way the wake of the Huggins thing. And they've got a lot they had a lot of transfers. They might come together a little bit because I think they had some guys who are all of a sudden eligible, but uh that you know, they're not great this year. So UMass, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't throw your parade just yet. Dayton 82, Cincinnati 68. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Cincinnati's not very good this year. Hopefully they were they're what I call a fool's gold <laughs> seven and oh. They were one of the last uh 13 or so undefeated teams in the country before they lost to Xavier. They have their non-conference Zach is shockingly weak. They're a big 12 team. They're gonna play an absolute gauntlet in conference, but they left they leave the city of Cincinnati once in all of their non-conference play their mte they hosted and then their neutral site game was three miles south uh of campus in the downtown arena so like and and it was against dayton that was this game the only road game they actually played was howard in uh in washington dc so what's his last name an (laughs) unbelievable they had an unbelievable just weak schedule so yeah cincinnati I don't think anybody knew if they were good or bad. And now I think they're kind of coming into focus a little bit as, as not being that good. Uh, Richmond 64, Charlotte old conference foe 56 St. Joe's 83. Iona 
58. Remember, Patino's not there anymore. That's right. Uh, Pete, tell us about the Wolfpack. Uh, I, I got to believe this program is going to be out for revenge because uh, we haven't seen them since that year that we shall not speak of. Yeah, we we played a depleted NC State. I think they had nine dressed players that they traveled to St. Louis and to, to play in front of no fans, right? If I remember correctly. Correct. Uh so some some homecoming there for for Jericho Helm Helms at the time. But Slew wound up winning that game. And you're you're right. I mean, I guess they're gonna want revenge, although I'm pretty pretty sure nobody yeah, nobody's nobody is still there on anymore. that team. Nobody's because there anymore. Like every other team, they're all transfers now. They are seven and three on the season. They're coming off a relatively close loss to number twelve Tennessee. They've also lost to BYU and Ole Miss, so no bad losses there. They beat Tennessee Martin, Maryland Eastern Shore, Boston College, Vanderbilt, Charleston Southern, Abilene Christian, and Citadel. So no great wins either. Um, they were picked to finish seventh in the ACC, right in the middle. Um, Kevin Keats is still the head coach now in his seventh season. He's only taken them to the tournament twice and hasn't won a tournament game so i have to imagine his seats a little toasty uh, they do have four guys who all average between 12.3 and 14.3 points a game Jaden taylor's a junior guard who stands 6-4 dj horn is a 6-2 grad transfer guard casey morse morsel or morsel is a 6-3 senior guard and dj burns is a 6-9 senior forward just a Taylor, small morsel just a little <laughs> yeah that's right uh, Taylor is a transfer from Butler and uh, Horn played at both Illinois state and Arizona state before coming to NC state uh, for his fifth season. Both of these guys shoot above 40% from three. They're very good free throw shooters. So you can't really put them on the line either. Kind of remind me of the top two from Hofstra in that way, but they're not as, uh, as much of the team's production Burns and Morsel have been together or sorry, have been there longer, but they started out at Winthrop and Virginia respectively. Burns, by the way, is a beefy 275, and yes. I'm kind of looking forward to that matchup between him and uh, Brad. As I, I, I want to see, uh, I think somebody said, because uh, somebody asked about Steph Van Bussel on the board, and mm. of course, I'm a big fan of his physicality and just, like, he is the uh, the the goon that, uh, that John Chaney. Uh, That's right. Like, I just, I want to see Steph Van Bussel just put this dude on the line yeah. a lot. Like, bring him in hammer him let's do it because they also uh bring a pair of 610 players off the bench ben middlebrooks and muhammad diara who's actually their leading rebounder at 6.1 per, per game uh, but but both of them they're like the sixth and seventh guys in the rotation basically um they also had a two-time transfer waiting on a final decision from the ncaa who like brad is now suddenly eligible six two guard cam woods played against tennessee the other night and had nine and four in about 18 minutes of play. And I do expect him to be a factor against Slew. He was in for, for most of the, the final few minutes of that game. Um, NC State, they managed to score over 79 points a game while turning it over less than 10 times a game. So they play a pretty controlled, disciplined game. They're a good rebounding team, but not great. This was really the difference in the Tennessee game, with Tennessee kind of pulling away to win by nine after being tied with under seven to play. Uh, they just beat them on the glass, really, is is what the, the difference was in that game. They don't have any major holes in their team, in their system, but they also don't kill you with any single thing, right? Like, they don't bury you from three. They don't uh, kill you on the glass. 
Um, they play a little bit of a bully ball style, according to a couple of their players. I don't know how true that is, but at least that's what they think they do. They're a solid defensive team. They make it hard to score at the rim. And with Woods now eligible, I think they've got a little bit of depth to go with their size. So um, this is a good litmus test, Zach. I mean, we've, we've barely squeaked out wins over pretty good smaller conference teams now. And uh, here we go against a mid-tier uh, ACC team. And, and, and I think we'll get a pretty good idea of, of where we stand after this one. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I watched a little bit of that, like that game on, on silent, but I mean, I, again, if, you know, I think after that, the Louisiana tech game, which is a quad one win. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I think I'm they're bad. like I, I net 50. They're in the top 50 net right okay, now. Okay. They're, they're now 58. They were 43 before that loss. But still, I mean, that's a yeah, hell that, of... you're, you're right. That's a, that's a good win. It's a home game though. So sure. I don't, I don't sure. know. Um, NC state is 66 right now in the, in the net. So they're actually a little bit below Louisiana. Tech. But I, I think, you know, I, look, if we go to NC state and we put on a performance, I'm not even going to say if we win, if that game's a dog fight down the end. Yeah. Look, you have my attention. If we win yeah. that game, I'm, I may bring out the checkered pants for the next game. I don't know. Um, yeah. Do you know that, you know, we talk about the net and we talk about how, whether they're, they're properly rated, overrated. Do you know what's not, it's never overrated, Pete? It's two men in a garden. Two men in the garden is either properly rated or completely underrated in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're going to, we've got a guy who's going to find out, uh, you know, he's a little bit of an expert himself being in Austin, Texas. And I'm just going to read what he said. Uh, some, some conversation was had about our last show and he said, I'm going to wash down. This is a bomb, by the way, if you yes. Billikens.com. shout out a bomb, I'm going to wash down a bunch of two men in a garden pickles with some hater aid. I'm getting my $9 flat. It's actually nine 99 just to, just to be clear. Yeah flat shipping rate worth on this order. Those smoked pistachios are easily giftable in the office. That's one of their partner products. And he goes, plus Anthony at Antonino's is a friend of a friend. So I'm getting that marinara, another part, a, a beautiful haiku. Yeah, this was, uh, <laughs> I think it had too many syllables to be, be a haiku. Uh, it there wasn't are no quite, rules to a haiku. It wasn't quite in rhyming verse, but you know, poetry doesn't follow the rules. And I think this was poetry on behalf of a bomb in his own, uh, his own style. And like I said, a he's from Austin. Ad read. He's from Austin, Texas. He's a salsa snob as he should be. Uh, obviously a lot of great options down there, but he's going to get some of the stuff from up North and let us know how he likes it. So anyway, uh, be like a bomb, go get yourself a flat rate shipping box of a two men in a garden salsa today. And that's at two men in a garden.com. Pete, we got some, I don't, I don't, I don't understand media rights. Uh, it's outside my jurisdiction, but I will say that I am a big fan of, I think I've said it here before, I'm a big fan of NBC Sports' presentation. Uh, yes. Their announcers leave a lot to be desired, but I think the, the picture's always crystal clear. The graphics are solid. Um, I, I just think they have a great uh, visually, uh, visually enticing product. 
and they make yeah. our shitty league look great. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, like they, so I it's it's generally my favorite broadcast as well, especially if you get you know halfway decent announcers. But the the this is part of a larger story, Zach, that the A10 has secured a new five year agreement with longtime partners CBS Sports, ESPN, and NBC Sports for enhanced media and TV rights. The agreements, which were announced Thursday, significantly increase men's and women's basketball national exposure. Uh, and, and then they also say it increases brand marketing, production investment, and rights fee revenue for the A-10 membership beginning with the 2024-25 season. And the agreements represent a 40% increase in rights fee revenue, uh, considerable expansion for the league's linear TV coverage. And then they increased the number of basketball championship games by 30% over previous agreements. So it means more of our championships are going to be on TV. Um, It it, it also means we're going to make a little more money. And and this is good news. Well, how many championships do we have? Like, I don't, I'm not reading that right. Am I reading that right? Like, are we talking about? Oh, sorry, sorry, not championship games, uh, basketball tournament games, right? So so think of like the early rounds. They're not all broadcast. We're going to have more of the early round games uh, broadcast nationally. So so the the good news here to me, this is a five-year deal. It kicks it out to, I guess that would be 2029 or whatever. And um, maybe we're just whistling past the graveyard, but we're all worried about the, 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 storm clouds on the horizon with college sports and we're not on the inside of those power conferences this is at least something right this guarantees that we're on tv we're not on something crappy like flow sports um or some other unwatchable unjustly highly priced streaming platform this kind of keeps us both on espn plus and on some national it gives us more national network games keeps the revenue flowing so this is all good news to me as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's what the A-10 needed to do heading into very uncertain times in college sports. So thumbs up for me. Uh, Pete, the 2024 Billiken Hall of Fame class was announced and we've once again been snubbed by by, by the Academy. I think ours is going to be, it's going to be a while. Yeah. Um, but but it's it, some. Hopefully it's not posthumous someday. for you. Hopefully oh. it doesn't take that long. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a That's good point. So I, I've only got so much time. Uh, we had a we had a little discussion on these because a few of these feel a little soon. A few and, feel and I also, soon. And I also want to get one feels late to me. Right. And one feels like there's a little bit of a conspiracy. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um do you want to go with this name? Because I, I I'm not even gonna try. Aspen I don't know. The, Servin? It's Servin, which is a great name for a tennis player. <laughs> if only that it was it's Servin with a with a C and yes. no apostrophe at the end. <laughs> right. Uh because I was afraid that it was like a ch- like a ch sound. It could be like an eastern block chur. I I gotta admit I was not following women's tennis um in twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen. Most of my my tennis uh slew tennis following was uh, in high school. Um, but yeah, women says 2014 to 17. Um, and this is going to be, uh, like a running. There's a lot of them here that are from the teens that I don't know. I think there's only, there's only one of them that I think is like, 
I think they're all deserving, but I think yeah. they're soon, except for one of them. And we're going to get to that one. Well, I wonder if it's kind of like a baseball thing too, where they were in the teens, but the latest year we're seeing is 2018, yeah. which means that's a like a five year thing, right? So like there's nobody like maybe that's the first year of eligibility for those people. And uh I don't know how this is decided upon, but maybe we're gonna have too many people in the hall of fame. We gotta we gotta get a little more strict. Yeah. I think I think we because like we're putting in teams. Yeah. Well, I don't uh well let's go through the rest of yes. them, right? I mean, they're all they're all great Billikens. Miller Hogan in baseball, 2016 to 2018. He was fantastic on the mound yeah. uh in that uh NCAA tournament. Well, uh, leading up to the NCAA tournament, he did pitch well. Uh, I believe that was the Ole Miss. I uh, think so. Where, yeah, Down I was in that there. Region. That was yeah. sweet. Uh, Jenny Kell, women's soccer, 99 to 02. Yeah, and then this one's a no-doubter to me. Zach. Yes. Like, I mean, if this was her first year of eligibility, Jackie Kempf in women's basketball, 2014 yes. to 2018, is somebody who, like, yeah, I mean, if, whenever she's eligible, you put her in, in my the, the, This one's borderline. Because he only made one NCAA tournament here, uh, and that's Rick Majerus. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this guy before, uh, but he was the head coach of Billiken basketball from 2007 to 2012. Yeah, people have told me about him. He supposedly he knew his stuff. You yeah, know, real real X's and O's guy. Yeah, now he couldn't recruit worth a damn. I mean, you had people like Cody Ellis, Kyle Cassidy. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys who didn't fit his system, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. He just Jet he, McCall Evans uh, uh, low, just about a lot of guys who just a lot of these bum stiff foreign guys. Yeah. yeah. No, obviously we're joking. Uh, just for those that don't necessarily read us so well. Um, Rick Majerus. I mean, this one's overdue. Uh, just yeah. like the court naming. Yeah, I mean, no, no argument here. He's obviously, uh, yeah. I mean. I, I think coaches with that kind of name notoriety, you you you, you got to put him in. He was a Billiken Hall of Famer as soon as he stepped on campus, in my opinion. Um, this next one is an interesting one because we were let it, we were kind of, uh, and I want to go in a deep, a deeper dive here. I'll let you go ahead and um, go ahead and tell them, tell everyone who it is. Um, yeah, and I'll I'll give you a little bit of rundown of who he was. Ryan McCoy from Men's Swimming, twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen. So another from the uh, the the latest possible class. Yeah, uh, he was uh, described to us in a DM as uh, the greatest Billiken swimmer of all time. Uh, as a freshman, uh, he was one of the top SLU swimmers. Uh, he had the Billiken's top time of the season. I'm reading this directly from the SLU website. In the 200-yard freestyle, the 500-yard freestyle, the 1,000-yard freestyle, the 200-yard butterfly. Uh, in one year, he's already littered throughout the record books, owning SLU records in the 200 freestyle and butterfly. Uh, fourth all-time in the 100-yard butterfly. Fifth all-time in the 1,000-yard freestyle. And sixth all-time in the 100-yard freestyle. Uh, as a sophomore, he set the school record in the 100, the 200, the 500, freestyle 100 butterfly uh he swam on the record setting 800 yard freestyle relay he won the atlantic 10 championship in the 400 free and the 100 yard free he was the first billiken to qualify for the u.s olympic swimming trials 
earning a spot in the 200-yard freestyle and the 100 butterfly. Uh, he is a junior. He cemented himself as one of the top swimmers in SLU history. He had SLU's top time of the season in the 50, 100, 200, and 500 free. Uh, and he set a slew record with a four, with 46.97 in the 100-yard fly. Uh, he was, uh, as it was described to us, one of the best of all time. Yeah, he also called him a total beast and represented us in the Olympic trials. So that's, uh, you know, like, yeah. look, I mean, like, I if, if, you're, if you're the best ever in a program, even if it's not our most decorated program. No. Yeah, like. You get, you it, get in. You, you get in. Um, Alex nickel softball 14 to 17. Yeah. And now this one, Zach, this is the one that I think is way too late. Yeah. Uh, Tim Ream men's soccer, 2006 to 2009. Ream is a beloved player at Fulham in the highest division of yeah. English soccer, the premier league in the, yeah, the greatest league in the world. And he has not just held his own, but become, I mean, he's, captain wearing the captain's armband there quite i would a bit. imagine yeah uh national team player i mean like <laughs> world cup Olympia. One of, i mean he might be, might have been the one, one of the that. most decorated slew players of of the modern era if not all time i mean he's he's just put together i think way beyond what anybody would have expected and his career just keeps getting better he and, he's uh, the jordan goodwin of men, slew men's soccer <laughs> Because like I, I I I don't like that comparison at all. But no, ahead. I think my my point is like Tim Ream was a very good college soccer player. He was a really really good college soccer player, but he he made his career in the pros. Like he was, it was it was very much the the, the similar to the Jay Demerit story, except Tim Ream's career went way higher, way longer. Yeah, uh, okay. that you know. Uh, you, he went to co like he played three years in college. People don't play three to four years in college, uh, and then go play in the Premier League. They don't. Right. That that's there's not a lot of people that do. I, I mean, I'm thinking of. I mean, I, Tim Ream, uh, and my next is Jay Demerit, and I got nobody else. Yeah. So um, when you look at the Premier League, those guys are from all over the world, and most of them have been tracked through the highest levels of club soccer since they were children. Like, like when you're in U.S. college soccer, you're a very like good drinking soccer player, juice box. Probably children. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, like a number not ending in teen in a lot of cases. Like, yes. like the, the a lot of those guys, single digit age kids, are in the youth programs of of major clubs and academies. And that's when you're playing four years of college soccer, that's not you, right? Like that's, that's uh you're a good soccer player, you know, had yourself a nice career and uh, start thinking about what your profession is going to be kind of thing. In most cases, if you're playing four years of college soccer. Or you so, head to the MLS. He's one of those guys who is just, and we do have a few of those on the national team, um, but you know, like our keeper, but he, but yeah. he has just defied all expectations. He, he has continued to get better with age, which is amazing. And I think he's now 36, which mm -hmm. sounds right. If I graduated in 05 and he was 09 and I'm 40. So, um, oh, I guess he would have graduated in 10, right. If he played soccer in 09, but regardless, um, just amazing. So, uh, the career he's put together and, 
by the way, if anyone within the sound of our voice can connect us to Tim Ream, I think he's he's maybe my number one get for uh yeah. for an interview. I might I may have to track him down at that game. <laughs> yeah, he and by the way, he's he like co-hosts a podcast on the Men and Blazers network now. Yeah. So he's comfortable on mic. He's he's got a setup. Uh so anyway, uh big, big, big Ream fam over here. Uh was he Shamanad? No. Oh. No, no. Wasn't he Saint uh 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 Saint Charles, one of the Saint Charles schools? Was he Duchenne? Um or uh or was he Dominic? Dominic, Dominic. he was Dominic yeah. because there were uh, two Dominic players on right. the national team. It was Reem and uh Sargent. That's, That's right. Right, right. Uh soccer adjacent, Tom Strunk, uh men's soccer distinguished alumni award. He's the chief financial officer of worldwide technology. You might have heard him heard of that company pete yeah yeah they have some slew connections um and then we've also got joe conran the, the who's getting the bauman sportsmanship Conspiracy. award he's the chairman of the board of trustees at slew and then zach two teams are getting the bob burns award which is the team recognition yes 2006 women's soccer and then 2011 and 12 men's basketball yes folks as we tweeted out grandy glaze is a Billiken Hall of Famer. Uh, I love that so much. It's just that that I, made, I uh, love that that's what that your tweet was because I think of that team and I think of of, of being in Columbus for those games. Yes, I think of Majerus and Conklin crying in the. Um, I think of interviews. meeting Mark Titus and getting a book signed. I I mean, like so so that that team to me was like a, a truly special thing, and so so close to being like the next level uh, of greatness. And uh, <laughs> your your first reaction is Grandy Glaze is a Billiken Hall of Famer, and that that kills me. <laughs> um, yeah, I I just want to go on record that um, if St. Louis University puts uh. What would it be 12, 13, and 13, 14? Or 14, 5? Yeah. No, either, it was, yeah, either 12, 13, the, and 14. Yes. 12, 13, or 13, 14. If the, that team goes into the Billiken Hall of Fame, I am imploring anyone at St. Louis University to leave Austin McBroom out of the Hall of Fame. This is not petty. This is not. Uh, some vendetta. This is purely to not put a scam artist alleged in the Billiken Hall of Fame. Like, I, I realize that it's not the most sacred Hall of Fame out there. Like, Grandy Glaze, okay. Like, he's done nothing to hurt anybody. He's just kind of a, a like taking an oddball path in life. Right. Austin McBroom has defrauded many people allegedly. He has he has he has defrauded millions allegedly. Um he should never grace the halls of the Billiken Hall of Fame. And that's all I'm gonna say. Well said. Yep. Uh Pete, women's basketball quietly, this team has taken a turn uh in the wrong direction. Uh, it started with the injury to Julia Martinez and has continued. But first, we need to talk about uh, a post-dispatch article by Stu Durando 
uh, on the 14th of December, in which uh, it was revealed that uh, Rebecca Tillett's son, Jack Tillett, uh, has complicated condition that falls under what's called pandas category. Pete, you're going to have to explain this one to me because yeah. I'm completely lost. Right. So this this ran um, on STL today and in the post dispatch on December 14th. So so Jack, her son, it's a yeah, it's an unusual condition. And and pandas stands for pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcus. So basically, that's a really long, complicated way of saying that strep is an infection from strep is what sets this off. And it leads to things like fatigue, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, you, you know, lack of appetite. What the hell? I know it's really weird. So they, it's a neuropsychiatric disorder. And yeah, the fact that you get it from a strep infection is like, like learning about this to me has been really eye opening. And I I think Slew both seasons out. has had a, has had a pandas, uh, awareness game right and i and i it's one of those things where i was like I, I meant to look into it and kind of forgot and i'm glad this article came out and and kind of talked about it so basically some tests showed that that he had um a strep infection i guess back when he was 13 but as far as everyone was concerned he was this perfectly healthy kid soccer and basketball player and then all of a sudden rapidly he's got no appetite and he has ocd um, he, you know, all of these anxieties and, and, and ticks and things, and there's these, you know, pandas has all of these potentially debilitating symptoms. They prevent you from leaving the house, completing work. It's like, it's a heavy thing. I mean, like it's, it's, it's a really complicated, unusual, um, disorder. And, and it has been, she said it has been diagnosed by three different doctors. They said sometimes because it's relatively rare and, and complex, it can take up to eight specialists before they diagnose it once. Um, so they've, they've had no shortage of time in front of doctors for sure. She said she's become kind of an expert on this as, the, as they've gone through the process, including all the treatments, because this is, he's 19 now. So it's been going on for six years. Um, she said they did get a family dog that may be trained. The dog's only one, but they may train it as a service dog for him. Um, he does have some more treatments coming up. They said the most successful one has been where they actually replace blood plasma cells, if I'm understanding that correctly. Again, all very complicated. But he wants to graduate high school. He wants to go to college. He wants to live on his own and have a normal life. It's just going to be a battle for him. And, um, you know, they're they're obviously doing everything they can for him and, and trying to raise awareness for what is a really, a really unusual, you know, I guess you would call it a disorder it's in the name, but I uh, certainly don't want to be insensitive or anything about it, but it's, it's yeah, Zach, I didn't know anything about this. We I, need to find, we need to find a more serious acronym because I just can't, pandas. I can't, cute. I can't, I can't, I, yeah, I got to get serious about it and I can't when it's called pandas. I can't, I, I just, uh, you know. I, I, I will. I mean, I guess part of it is there are other really, you know, unusual uh, d diseases, so disorders out there that that don't have super memorable names like that so i yeah. do kind of like that this sure. one is and because it comes from a strep um infection it's you're generally it's it, it's infecting kids um and i i can't imagine how alarming it is to have your normal 13 year old all of a sudden 
with severe OCD and like not eating more than a cup of yogurt in a day and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's really jarring. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that they're all going through that, especially him. And, um, you know, hopefully that some of these upcoming treatments start to take and, and really get him going in a direction to where he can have, um, you know, a more well-rounded, healthy life. Man, um, I know. Yeah. You know, you never know what, what people are dealing with in their personal lives. I gotta say, I really wish we were going to talk about a women's basketball win after going through all that. Uh, unfortunately, the Billikens dropped a 33 point game against or at University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. I guess they just go by Green Bay now. They're the Yeah. Phoenix, uh, Saturday the 16th. Uh, Pete, why don't you run us down this one? Cause I don't, I don't think either of us had the bandwidth to catch this one. No, Green Green Bay, you know, I, I wasn't able to uh to catch it. Green, they're a good team. They came in number 37 in the net rankings. So They always that's a have a decent women's team, I it's think. a tough road game. It really is. They they should win their league um this year. They got out to a 25 to 8 lead after the first quarter and never looked back. They outscored SLU in all four quarters. Um uh, making led SLU with 11 points and Gray had 10. But Slew shot just 36% from the field, 29% from three, 61% from the line. You know, I, I wrote when they're off, they're off. But a lot of this has to do with Green Bay's defense. Um, they're a good team. But when this team is only shooting 61 from the free throw line, that's that's not a good sign because they're normally lethal from there. Um, memorable name here, Zach, Natalie McNeil, a Slew transfer, who's at Green Bay now. 10 points, six rebounds, four assists, and a steal in, I guess, what you would call a revenge game. Um, so pretty good performance from her. Uh, she was a, uh, I guess, a Lisa Stone player originally. Um, but but yeah, Green Bay was 55% from the field, 90% from the line. They also out-rebounded SLU by eight. So this is one where they were just the better team and uh, and played like it. SLU moves to five and seven overall on the season. It's their fourth loss in the past five games. They're better off than they were at this point last season when they only won four total non-conference games. But after the way the second half of last year went, Zach, I think, you know, we're kind of scratching our heads a little bit, um, hoping SLU can find their footing. But I do think Green Bay is probably, probably a little better than anybody they're going to see in the A-10 this year. Um, and, and anyway, next up, they've got Illinois State. This is another road game um, at Illinois State. And it's on Tuesday the 19th. It's yet another common opponent with the men's team. And I think that's five total in the um, uh, the schedule, if, if I've got that right. This is a much more beatable team. They're five and four, and they're 206 in the net rankings. So I, I'd like to think that we're going to at least make this a close game. Hopefully can get back on track with a win, though. You're on mute, Zach. Cause I was chewing on my pen. And I didn't want anybody to hear that. Um, <laughs> women's soccer, uh, Caroline Kelly's transferring out. Uh, no word. Oh wait, no. Yes. She will headed. She'll be heading to T to the cult of the TCU. We lost Caroline Kelly to the cult. That is Texas Christian university. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if, if it's quite the GCU, no, but it's yeah, not TCU. Um, Yeah, it's so a St. she. Louis cult. It's one there's of the definitely St. Louis a lot. cults. Yeah, it, it is one of those schools that a lot of St. Louis kids go to. Is this um, home fields doing? I feel like this is home field apparel's doing. You badmouthed their frogs hat last week, and they came back to haunt you. 
Um, so here we go. But yeah, no, she just put it on her Instagram about two hours before we started recording. So, um, so that's the word. She's off to TCU. You know, good luck to her. It's a real shame that she's yeah. leaving. I know um, that she maybe she probably felt like with them bringing in the transfer from Wisconsin at her position and no one else really leaving that it's a crowded, crowded position forward first for slew and um you know all best of luck for her she she had a nice career here i wish she would have finished but i guess that's yeah the breaks. i mean like again you're looking at uh, she's she was a senior uh she had five seasons here with one uh injury season i believe right um and she's well, gonna have a I chance to yeah, I don't know if she had an injury. I think the she would have been a COVID bonus here with her yeah. uh, freshman year. Yeah. Uh, well, either way, I mean, you know, she played four seasons here. Like, yeah, it, it, you can't at that point. You you got that was that was the that was the reason to come here, right? Was to to play four seasons, and she's done that, and now she's gonna go in and and you know try her hand at a, at a big time school and. Uh, I have no doubt that she will um, be a, a big time contributor down there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, be so best of luck to her. Uh, big win for the uh, the Suns tonight, by the way. Well, not a big win, but they won. And Goodwin had uh, six points in twenty minutes, eight rebounds. Nice. Yeah. And we also, Zach, have the uh, the baseball schedule that was just released. Yes, it is. Um, Pete, do you want to run it down? Yeah, let's do it. So they start the season this year in uh, Port Hammond, Florida. They're going to be playing St. Thomas, Must be Maine, nice. and Illinois State down there. Yeah, Hendo was on halftime uh, the other day and and said, come visit, come watch. He wants all the fans they can get down there. Um, hey, then the yeah, hook me up with a flight, Hendo, and I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Get me on sure. the team charter. They'll face Western Illinois for a series in Millington, Tennessee, before they head to SIUE for a game. And then uh, four straight non-conference series at SLU after that. Lemoyne, Western Illinois again, uh, Loyola Marymount, Missouri State. Um, they play a series at the other SLU in Louisiana before a game. We're at not Tulane. doing. We're not giving them that. It's Sila. Sila. <laughs> it yeah. is Sila. Um, other home games and series this season. They'll 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 bring in Cincinnati, Rhode Island, um, SIUE, Southern Indiana, Davidson, George Mason, Lindenwood, and Dayton. And then on the road. They will um, they'll take on Kansas, St. Joe's, Fordham, Lindenwood, George Washington, Butler, and UMass. That Kansas game, they they've played Kansas at Kansas a couple times now. Um, it, that was one of them back like early baseball, early ESPN Plus, where you okay. could catch one. Like yeah. I remember that being really the 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 one of those that you could catch. I like the Cincinnati one. I, I really liked uh, Cincinnati. Was it? I think Cincinnati's baseball setup their setup is very very compact isn't it yeah yeah it's yeah a great i setup. like that yeah i may have to when is that is that a is that a weekend that's a home that's a weeknight game it's, isn't a, it? it's a home game though it's at Slim. oh shit damn yeah. it yeah that's why i was saying i hope they have a return at Cincinnati because yes. yeah, we'll that's that literally across the street from where my daughter goes to preschool so yes we will do that um track and field caroline bell freshman sprinter from brownsburg indiana uh Diagnosed with thyroid cancer in January 2023 in the middle of her high school basketball season at Bishop Bishop Chattered in Indianapolis. Sure. Um, yeah. I bet they have a sweet basketball gym, though. 
for sure. Indiana high school basketball. Uh, she had surgery to remove her thyroid gland and missed a state semifinal game. Uh, she's studying in studying neuroscience in hopes of embarking on a career researching cures for brain diseases. Uh, and she's running. I mean, that's yeah. that's impressive. Yeah, I know. I, I caught wind of her story. I don't remember what brought us my attention in the past week. And uh, I just threw it in the notes here just to kind of highlight again. You might see somebody out there uh, playing for Salu, competing, coaching, and not know what they've been through, what they've they're going through in their personal lives, and and just to highlight another uh, pretty impressive story. Um, and I I hope that she has a long and successful career in 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 you know researching what she's been affected by. So good for her, and uh, hope she has a good track career at Salu too. I, I yeah I um yeah I think Pete. Um, this was, uh, luckily I, I took off work tomorrow, uh, because <laughs> right now we're sitting on a two hour show. Um, yep. but I, I hope I, I really wanted this season. I was really wanting to get deep into the games. And I think when you lose games, it can really suck the, the excitement out of talking about stuff and it's not as fun but it was really good to to really dive deep into the the minutia of the game and not just whine about it. Yeah. Um uh, because you're not, you know. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed it cuz I really tried to kind of take, you know, Pete's amazing notes and just spin it into more like what can I fire back at Pete. Um and I hope people enjoyed that and uh yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh don't forget to comment uh, if anything we talked about piques your interest, anything we didn't talk about that you think we need to talk about, um, again, it, it's so it's so great to have uh, the support that we have um, within this tiny fan base that we have here. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, you know, as always, there are things that we leave open-ended in, in, the, in our conversations or things that we don't know or might be uh, uh, not as well informed of yet that, that we want to be. So just let us know if you hear anything that you want to follow up on, um, in any way possible, whether it's a YouTube or Instagram or Twitter comments or billikins.com comment or whatever, just reach out to us. We appreciate it. As always, Pete, go bills, go bills. Go bills.